Hey, how's it going? It's your man, Christopher the Rupal. And if you're hearing this, you're probably like, oh, wait, why is there a weird intro here? Well, uh, before Drunken Book Club became what it is now, where we get drunk, talk about kids' books, and other such things, the original Drunken Book Club was this style and format, where I used to read, like, almost, like, five books, like, three to five books in a month. And I wanted to talk about them, but I was very... What's the word? Uh, shy? Didn't think I was like smart enough to actually talk about these books without getting drunk first and having a jovial time about it. So this is where the this incarnation of Drunken Book Club is. There's about a couple handfuls of the handful uh, of these episodes. I think they're fun. I did not want to get rid of them when we became Drunken Book Club. Uh, originally speaking of which, um, so here it is enjoy and these are the new socials dbc underscore pod for the twitter account and our new patreon is patreon.com slash drunken book club think about supporting us it it may uh improve further stuff yada 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 okay uh bye Hello and welcome to Drunken Book Club, volume nine and a half, I would say, because it is it is the same book as last time. I'm your host, Christopher the Rupal, and surprisingly enough, I'm joined today by a guest. Sam. And I'm continuing my quest of finishing more tales to give you goosebumps, and I decided, I, I gave Sam a choice. I gave her two choices. She could either read the last five stories with me and kind of go along with me, or she could give my give me her opinion on these stories and what she thinks of them through my drunken explanation of them all. She chose the latter because it's less work and I don't know. I don't know your reasoning. That was mainly out of like it was less work and I also had to read the book for my book club. That is awful. <laughs> God damn, I hate this book. You're a fast reader. You could have breezed through this in like a half hour. Probably, but <laughs> yeah, no I mean, how many pages did you go through your book club book? I don't remember. Both too many and not enough. Yeah. Because it's not finished, but... <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what did what did we pre-game on? I pre-gamed on two, two different drinks. Well, technically, I'm still nursing one, but my first drink was half Sprite, half Long Island iced tea, a little bit of strawberry watermelon Mio? Yeah, yeah. it was Mio. And then I'm currently nursing a cranberry... A cranberry Mike's Harder lemonade with a little bit of grenadine, and then I also put a little bit of Sprite in there after I drank a bit because I was like, "Yeah, this could use a little extra." And Sam, what did you pregame on? So first, I tried to pregame on an old thing of an old cookie stout we yeah. had in the fridge, and I'm not sure whether it went bad or it was just bad to begin with, but it tasted like soy sauce, so I could not finish it. So then I went to a cream soda with curacao and vanilla vodka. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on basically a Madonna, which is a Sprite, Grenadine, <laughs> and some It's not a real vodka. drink. I don't think a Madonna is a real drink. So basically a Shirley Temple with booze. Yeah. How the hell is it, by the way? It's very good. Yeah. That's it. Hey, I'm good. I don't need any extra alcohol yet. <laughs> so like I was saying, I'm continuing off the last five stories of More Tales to Give You Goosebumps. Uh, th- this time around, I'm re- the stories are Dr. Horror's House of Video. The Cat's Tale, Shell Shocker, Poison Ivy, and last but not least, The Spirit of the Harvest Moon. God damn, my pinky's small. <laughs> Your pinky's not that small, Sam. It just looks really small. It looks really small. You're just drunk. 
<laughs> All right, Sam. So, what's your first impression when I tell you the story is called Doctor Horror's House of Video? What do you think the story is about? A SWAT raid on a child pornography. <laughs> okay, that's not fair because I already asked you a question about it. Because was that the one where you said the? Yes. Yeah, I'll get into it. My first impression is I'm guessing it's about a boy going to a video store that has really good horror movies and he gets stuck inside one. That's what I think it is. That's what I thought it was at first impression. Yeah. Here's the story, though. Uh, it starts with our protagonist, bo- uh, our protagonist bored, uh, being bored by the plant that squeezed St. Louis. That's a movie he's watching. Uh, since he's seen it three times and it just doesn't hold up, and he should know since it's since he's he's seen he's seen all all them all the movies. You know, he's seen movies with mummies, movies with werewolves, movies with creatures from outer space. He's kind of an expert, Sam. Like he's such a big expert. Don't be afraid to inter- intertwine. And, and if you have any questions, don't be afraid to ask. If you need me to just explain any plot line from these eight eight second books, eight minute stories, does that have it a had pit? a pit. Huh, weird. Sorry, she she just finished. She just had a maraschino cherry and had a pit, which I've never had before. I've never had a maraschino cherry with a pit. We should have went with the more expensive ones. Uh, but 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 where did I leave off? So he wants to make horror movies when he grows up. But now he's he's stuck in a house his parents rented for the month of August in a city with no kids his age. So he just wastes away by staying inside and watching movies he brought from home. So he's from Scott. So he's in Scottsdale right now. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but mom, but mom wants him to get out of there and do stuff and brings him along when she goes out this afternoon and gets some gardening supplies. So they go into town and Ben mentions they're in a part of town he's never been in, and he notices a video store and it's made it's made just for him. It's called Doctor Horror's House of Video. If you know name drop, title drop right there. Oh, he said the thing. He said. The- <laughs> yeah. They must have horror movies. Is something he says. He enters the old and dusty store and is met with an old man behind the counter who claims he's Dr. Horror. He welcomes Ben to peruse his horror collection and tells him he's never seen any of these movies since they're all made in a garage behind the store. And, uh, as my notes say, Get the fuck out of there, Ben! He's going to kill slash fuck you, kid! Get out! What is his PhD in? Or what is his doctorate in? Because he's supposedly a doctor. What is his doctorate in? Maybe he's, he's a doctor of movies. Or maybe it's just a doctor being full of shit. Doctor of touching kids. A pediatrician. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. Beat you to it. Drunk Sam's too slow, just like normal Sam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ben goes around and checks out such titles as... And I, I had to write... I had to put down the page because I, I did not want to type them all out. Okay, so here are some movie titles. Ten Tales from the Mummy Files. Monsters at Midnight. A Boy and His Werewolf. Would you, would you pick up any of these ones, Sam? Maybe. <laughs> but uh, in the back of, back of the store, a movie is playing with a lizard man, and he jumps when a when a green hand lands on his shoulder because he's 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 invested. He actually sits there and watches the movie for a good time. But he st- but then like a green hand comes down on his shoulder, and he freaks the fuck out. Like and it's kind of like what's happening on the screen. Like literally, this boy, and then there's like oh, someone gets on his shoulder. Oh, oh scary! But it's just his mom wearing green gardening gloves, and she just wants to show him off to him. <laughs> Oh, I love these fake goosebumps cares. Uh, and she tells him it's time to go. And Ben couldn't rent anything because he was distracted by the lizard man. I-, I also have a note that says, Thank you, Mom, for saving this boy's virginity slash life. Yes. So the next morning, Ben wakes up bright and early, and he hops on his bike and rides it to Dr. Horrors. He arrives there, but to his dismay, it's closed. 
but he can see that the lizard man is playing playing inside the room still so he somehow sneaks in because the door is open is this like the kmart where the b movie is still probably playing on that one tv yes yes it is and he watches the, he finishes the movie once it's, once it's over he tries to leave but the front door is locked and he can't get out but he finds another door and opens it but ends up getting tripped and landed on and he lands on the floor in front of two green web, webbed feet uh, it tells me to read page 76, so I'll read page 76. I wish I knew what part. Ah, uh, here we go. Lizard man in all his green glory towered over me like, like a monster. I his guess that's eyes were to... two big circles, like something round and circular. <laughs> it's a quote, bad metaphors in high school, or bad metaphors and similes in high school. Yes. Yes, indeed. So Dr. Horror appears and, and, and says, welcome to Uncle Touchy's fuck dungeon. <laughs> You're just in time for touching. I mean, filming Return of Lizard Man, and I have a part for you. Ben obliges, and and uh, they begin filming him in clothes. Yes, I have to say it. I've seen enough touching kids episodes of sitcoms to know they want the kids to take their shirts off. Like, how many times does that has that happened in sitcoms? More than once. I'll tell you. Yes, I only remember the one so far, but uh, no, twice. I was about to say you were forgetting Smart Guy, weren't you? Yes, I was forgetting Smart Guy. <laughs> Um, it happened to Gary Coleman and it happened to Smart Guy, as I say in my notes. Soon he realizes that the monsters doing all of all the set work are, are actual monsters and they're going to fucking eat him. He pleads with Dr. Horror to let him go. And Dr. Horror cuts, cut, he cuts the scene and Ben thinks he's going to let him go, but he just fixes Ben's hair and says, action, the end. <laughs> Sam, do you have any questions before I, I do my little review? No. Like, I, you don't have any, any questions at all? Nothing? It's, it's, it's a pretty simple story. I explained it pretty I, well. Yeah. I was going to say, I have questions, but it's not, you're not going to be able to answer them. You don't know that? Ask. Like, why does his mom let him go off to the creepy video store again? She, okay, Alone. that's explained. She thinks he's going for a bike ride, and he just wants, she wants him to get out more. Okay, so he's lying to her. That is explained. Okay, fair enough. He lies to her, yep. And uh, I also left out the part where uh, he did call his parents before they start filming to get permission, and they did say yes. Okay. Because they think it's just it's just a random random movie. Okay. So there is also that. What what is your impression of this one? What what do you think of this story? I think it's one of those like all I can think of is the robot chicken M Night Shyamalan. What a twist! What a twist! That's what all twist. these stories. You're gonna. I'm just gonna say that up front. There's that's all these stories. But I mean, like, there's a twist and another twist, like kind of thing. Yeah. What, where's another twist? I only know the one twist. Well, the twist that, like, they're, like... They're all monsters, and then he's just gonna fix his hair? Basically. Okay. So, my verdict is, this one was interesting, but kind of leaves me a little uncomfortable. Like, yeah. does this one leave you a little uncomfortable with, this is a man filming children... Getting killed? And getting killed. I mean, even before the getting killed part, it's still kind of creepy. It's like, as you said, Uncle Touchy's feel-good basement. Uncle Touchy's naked puzzle basement per yeah. Patton Oswalt. Yes. Uh, I mean, there are some red flags here with Dr. Horror, you know, making his own movies in a garage. Like I've, like I've said, I've seen enough family sitcoms to know this is a bad idea, kid. Get out. Get out. Why would they make these sitcom ideas? Because kids get molested this way. Yeah. Or it's it's part of grooming. It is. Yeah. Literally, Dr. Horror was grooming him with horror movies and showing something that he had the same interest in. Yeah. And be like, oh, hey, kid, come on. Don't you want to be in my movies? Yeah. Gross. 
Yeah, it's gross. But you know what? But I guess as a kid, you're more trusting. And especially when it's something you're into, this works really well as a cautionary tale to go into somebody's garage because they make something you like. It, it's a good hidden message. Yeah. It's got a double meaning in there, you know? But I, I don't think it goes far enough in the creepy territory, even though I said it makes me uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I don't think it goes far enough to make me go, this is a good cautionary tale. If they had him take his shirt off. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Take your shirt off and then they kill you. Yep. Bam. I I think it could have been much much made worse and even more scary with that. I think as an adult, this is a good adult horror story. Yeah. Because you're seeing a kid about to get molested. Yeah. Not murdered, molested. So I think I think at the end of the day, I'm gonna give this mo- this one three and a half mummy files out of five. <laughs> mummy files. That sounds like he's gonna molest the mummies. I was gonna say it sounds like someone that's has a Fuck sexual mummies. obsession on mummies specifically. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Horror probably does. All right. The next story is. The Cat's Tale. What do you think this one... It's, it's spelled T-A-L-E, not T-A-I-L, just so you know. T-A-L-E? Yeah, so as in, like, a story. It's... What, what do you just, think, think this one's about? It's describing in visceral detail the butthole cut of cats. <laughs> the, the butthole cut of cats? Have you not heard about that? No. That supposedly there's a cut that has, like, buttholes... On the Cats movie. Oh, of the movie Cats. I thought yep. you were talking about Cats in general. No, like... like he's, I thought they had, like, cuts. No, it's just the movie Cats, but with the butthole. Butthole's there. Alright. Well, my first impression of this one is... I'm just assuming it was about someone getting a cat, and it ends up being a cat from hell. But it turns out its bad behavior is because it's not actually a cat, but some kind of monster. That, that's what I think. thought the story was. I say, that's an actual good answer instead of mine. It's bullshit. Yeah. You, you bull... You bully. You're a bully. You're a bully. Tickle, tickle. Why? So Marla, and I'm going to say it, hooray, another female protagonist, because there was only one other female protagonist in this in this series so far. Okay. Series of tales. Uh, has been down, has been, like, sad since her family moved from New York City to River Falls, which I'm going to assume is the one in Wisconsin, since she said it's, it's more of a farmhouse in the countryside. Where's the other one? I don't know where the other one is for River, River Falls. Like, I, for a second, I thought it was like, oh, maybe they moved out of New York City to like a like a suburb or like a small part, like of upstate, like, upstate New York or something. But like, that's the only place I could find is River Falls in Wisconsin. So on a thundering dark night, Marla's family is downstairs telling ghost stories by candlelight. Bar- but Marla ain't having none of that. So she goes to her room to escape from them and the thunderstorm. She opens her window to get some fresh air, but suddenly. Something hairy and wet flies in through the window and attacks her. I thought you were gonna have a have a comment on that one. Yeah, I'm just trying to I was trying to think of something funny, but I couldn't. So <laughs> the moment's gone. Her family comes racing upstairs to help her and realizes it's a scared black cat coming in from the storm. No. Her mother says it must be a stray since it doesn't have any tags. And Marla begs to keep the cat and argues since she has no friends that she needs a buddy right now. Her parents say they'll discuss it in the morning and let her keep the cat in her room for the night. Marla names it Misty. The cat's name is Misty. And she sleeps at the... And Misty sleeps at the foot of Marla's bed that night. Oh. You know, how sweet. But the next morning, Misty does the weirdest thing. She follows Marlo, Marlo, Marla into the shower. Fucking pervy ass cat. But maybe it's like Ranma one half and the cat needs to, needs warm water to transform back into a human. I don't know, that's my guess. I don't think anyone transformed in, I don't think anyone was a cat in Ranma. I don't think so. I think she, maybe Shampoo was? Hold up. Oh, I'm thinking I, of I his, his fruits basket right now, so. <laughs> that's totally wrong. I know. Okay, hold up. But there's at least a cat in Fruits Basket. But does it turn into a human? Yes. Okay then. Shampoo. It's one of the. It, it was the whole love triangle thing. It was the mouse and the cat. 
gross. And part of it was that the cat was pissed because he got left out of the Zodiac because the rat fucked him. <laughs> fucked him over, not, not not literally fucked him. Fucked him. But there's probably some, probably some fan fiction where they fucked. Nope, nope, she does. Yeah, Shampoo turns into a cat. A human cat. Here's a, here's a picture, Sam. Okay. Yep. I like that, they, that she keeps her little, like, pigtail braid things. They, they tend to keep, like, a certain detail about themselves. I was about to say, it's, it's a cute series. I, I like Rob My Half. It's better as a, I've never watched the anime, but I've read the whole manga. That's the only manga series I think I've read the whole entire thing of. Whole. Whole. Yeah. <sighs> so they soon finish their shower together and head downstairs, and Mom has good news. She's joined a swim club so the kids can go swimming. Swimming! At the local pool, and there'll be kids around their age there. So Marla gets her swimsuit on and gets ready to leave. When Misty hops on her desk and gives her sad eyes and meows sadly at her. Aww. Marla decides not to go and stay with and stays with Misty so she doesn't feel lonely in a new home. Uh, they spend an afternoon napping and reading while Scott makes new friends. But Marla thinks she made the right choice. That night, when she's sleeping, she has a dream of her old life in New York City. Hanging with her friends. When suddenly, someone grabs her from behind and smothers her face in the dream. She awakes and Misty is attached to her face and won't let go. She nearly suffocates when she finally pries the cat off of her face. Uh, you know, I, I had a, I, you know, have you ever had a cat sleep on your face or on your chest? I found them on my chest. Yeah. Misha actually pinned my arm at one point. Because, <laughs> like, I was sleeping and my arms were out, and Misha, like, put his body on this one arm, and I go to turn, and I could not move it, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and I finally open, and I see Misha just sitting there like, no. I've only had one cat sleep on me. It was Miss Pooters. <laughs> it was this one time, because, um... The stepdad of the kids I was taking care of, like, I was a nanny for them. Mm-hmm. Um, he needed his office, and that's where I slept, because there was no other extra rooms. Mm-hmm. And he needed that office at night, because he had, like, an all-nighter or something from, like, work. Mm-hmm. So I had to sleep on the couches. And the cat slept outside. Well, actually, Charlie, the boy cat, he liked to sleep in the office, so they would always keep the door open. I'd always let him, like, come in or whatever. Yeah. But Miss Pooters was just like, I sleep on the couch, because I'm Miss Pooters. And I was sleeping on the couch, and I woke up the next morning to a cat on my chest, and I'd be like, good morning, and the cat would be like, eh. like an old, eh. and, I, and then not getting up, because Miss Pooters, Miss Pooters, if she laid on you, you stayed, because <laughs> she was just an old cat who was just like, yeah, move me, bitch. Fucking try me. Yeah. I have one cat lick my face at the middle of the night during a sleepover <laughs> in sixth grade. The cat just, and apparently that's a thing it do, that cat did. Yeah. It would just lick your face <laughs> at, like, fucking 2 a.m. Just The witching hour. <laughs> just licked me. So, she heads downstairs to her parents to tell them what happened, but Mom argues that she probably had the air conditioning on too high, and the cat was trying to stay warm. This makes sense to Marla, and she doesn't argue this idea. The next day, she decides to ignore Missy's cries for attention and leaves the house to go swimming. 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 When she gets, gets there, she goes to the high dive board to jump in, but... But she is just scared to death by the deepness of the water and backs away to go down the ladder. But someone else is on the board. And suddenly she's scratched at her ankle and pushed into the water. She can't seem to swim properly and she just slips away into the darkness. The end. No. Uh, the next thing she comprehends are the people standing around her cheering on the lifeguard who saved her life. Her leg is wrapped in a towel and blood can be seen, through, seen seeping through it. Scott says mom and dad told her to keep Misty at home next time since the cat followed her up to the diving board. Soon their parents came, come to pick them up and mom made Marla her favorite favorite for dinner. Can you guess her favorite, Sam? Mac and cheese. Close! Very close. Spaghetti and meatballs. 
Because that's a pasta. But Marla says that doesn't sound so good and asks if they can have, if they have any more tuna casserole left over and some milk, you know? And this this just makes her mom go, wait, you don't want your favorites? Or something must be wrong with you. Marla gets into pet play. That night when Marla tosses and turns in her bed, she hears a voice in her head that says this. And I gotta turn to page 90 because I decided not to write it down. It says this. Nine lives. Nine lives. I will have thy body before I've lived my nine. Thy life is mine and mine is thine. She looks around the room to see who said that. But the only other person in there is Misty. Was it her? The next day, Marla goes to the swim club, but doesn't want to go swimming, so she joins a volleyball game and meets two girls who invite her for a snack at the snack bar. Then a mouse scurries by and frightens the two girls, but Marla is frightened by the rodent and pounces on it and dangles it in front of the girls. The girls freak out at her because that's just a weird thing to do, and Marla doesn't know why she did that and tosses the mouse into into some bushes. Uh, I need to read this next part in the book. I acted like a real jerk. I acted absolutely dot 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 cat-like. Thy life is mine, and mine is thine. It was all becoming clear to me. Now I knew why I was afraid of water. Why I had a sudden craving for tuna casserole. Why I found it so easy to pounce on a mouse. Misty had just about taken over my mind, and little by little, she was taking over my body. I'll have my body before. I've lived my mind. So Marla takes control of the situation and takes Misty to an animal control place that takes her in. When Marla gets back home, Misty is sitting on the porch for her. Marla goes even further and wakes up the next morning extra early and puts Misty in her pet carrier that can only be opened from the outside with a key and takes the cat to the bus station so Misty can take a nice cross-country trip. Yes. This is some, like, Tom and Jerry shit. I was going to say Looney Tunes shit. I don't know if they did that in Tom and Jerry. I I never really liked Tom and Jerry. It's been a while. They arrive an hour early, and Marla waits for the bus to arrive and gets thirsty. So she goes and grabs a soda from the soda machine. When she hears tires screeching from behind her, a man in a red truck comes to a halt and walks over to Marla and apologizes for hitting her cat and asks her why she let it out. Marla is flabbergasted and can't respond. All she knows is that the cat is dead. And that's all that matters. And I, I've just got to read one last page. That night, I slept soundly, peacefully, for the first time in days. I pulled the covers up high and snuggled my head into my soft pillow. I'm sure I had a smile on my face as I drifted to sleep. The smile faded when I heard the whispers. I sat up with a shiver and listened to the soft chant of the words. Eight lives, eight lives left. I will have thy body before I've lived my mind. Thy life is mine, and mine is thine. So what do you think of that one? Any questions? So she becomes a furry. She's becoming a cat. Yeah, I know. She's not becoming a furry, Sam. She gets really into pet play. That's not really it either. <laughs> like, you're you're taking it in all the wrong directions. Like, what's going on here? That drunk. That's, that, that's not an excuse, Sam. I thought it was pretty good, though. Yeah, did you like that one? Yeah. It seems interesting. Yeah. Would you, would you actually read it? Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, my review is... I don't really... I'm not really sure how to feel about this one. It's not bad, but it's nothing special. I give it a credit for being creative, at least. But it, it, there's nothing really... Anything special about that. Now, I can't say it scared me. But I would admit that I like the premise of the cat trying to take the girl's body. But I think it could have been a bit longer. Because this is actually one of the shorter ones in the book. It's only, mm-hmm. like, eight pages, I think. 
And, like, I feel like it could have been a whole book, honestly. Like, it could have been extended to a whole book, if you ask me. Like, I think if, if, if it was outlined right and made into a full book, I think I probably would have liked it more. But I think I have to give A Cat's Tale three leftover tuna casseroles out of five. <laughs> story number eight, Shell Shocker. What do you think the story Shell Shocker might be about? Um, something with shells and electricity. Shells and electricity. <laughs> All right. The booze is really starting to set in. <laughs> I don't know. This guy gets a... Uh... Terror, I don't know. I, I don't fucking know. He gets turned into a turtle. I don't... <laughs> so my, my first impressions are it's either going to be about turtles or war or possibly both. Turtle. Or maybe it's seashells. The turtle war. The turtle war. Shell shocked. The quote Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the game. So Tara, yet again another girl character. So yay. yay girls in, in horror fiction. Uh, Tara is, is fighting over a seashell with her little brother Tommy, she snatches it away from him and admires its perfect spirals and how everyone is going to be so jealous when she wins the seventh grade science fair with seashells. <laughs> really, bitch? How? <laughs> really? I was gonna say I couldn't win like the fifth grade one, and I did a whole thing on brain stems. Yeah. And like brain, like brain surviving a fall kind of thing. Huh. How does she? Does she just like this is a seashell and they're like. I made it into the competition with what soil is better, like regular soil, actual pot soil, or a mixture of both. My personal favorite was one guy actually did how many licks to the center of a Tootsie Pop. Yep, I've seen that one. That was sad. I was like, wow. Really, bitch? Really, bitch? Did, how? Did you even try? <laughs> so she then takes her prize and walks away uh, from her brother and decides to press it against her ear to hear the ocean and hears a tiny voice that says, help me. Tara freaks the fuck out. And checks to see if Tommy is playing a trick on her uh, and turns around. But he's not there. He's not there at all. He's been dead for five years now. No. The voice in the shell beckons her and begs her to save her because she's being held prisoner. The voice tells her to take take her to the cave close by to help set her free. But Tara is like, fuck that. A talking seashell will make me rich and famous. But the voice retaliates back by saying it will, it will only talk to her and only when she's alone. Pulling a Michigan J frog like an asshole. <laughs> the shell then talks. <laughs> it's also kind of creepy and again, like kind of going back to the to the Doctor Horror yeah. kind of similar vibe of. Oh, trust me, it, it gets better. So the seashell then tells her something else in the cave. It tells her something else is in the cave that will make her even more rich and famous. The biggest seashell in the world. So I was gonna just say two two seashells. <laughs> Tara accepts the offer, but wonders if she should tell her mom and have her come along, you know? Yes. But the shell tell, tells her this. Uh, read page 100. What does the she shall tell her? I'll cut you, bitch. Cut you real good. No, it doesn't say that. It gets close to that. <laughs> no, it says... Don't worry. They won't notice you're gone. The voice urged. Let's go. That's really creepy. That is very creepy. So... And she heard, and she urges her to hurry up and go. She wanders down the beach far away from her family and soon comes upon the cave. She rushes to the cave's mouth and then as she comes closer, she hears an ear-splitting screech coming from within the cave. It's just Yoko. Oh no, it's okay. You look so sad. I will sing you my happy song. <laughs> the voice says it's only the wind and to go in. Tara is afraid to go because of how dark it is. But the voice reassures her that knows where to go and tells her not to touch the walls. Tara stumbles her way in, 
with the uneven floor, and eventually she accidentally touches the wall, and it's covered in hairy black spiders, and they start to crawl all over her. Ooh, Sam's reacting to that one. The voice tells her to calm down, calm down, and keep going, because she's so close to having fame and riches. So Tara continues, but soon... She steps on something that crunches beneath her feet, and eventually she falls into it. It's bones! She starts to freak out again, and the voice tells her it's only fish bones from the tide that brings in dead fish, and they just deteriorate. Tara argues with the shell, and the shell tells her that the shell is so close, and she can almost touch it. It's just around the corner, Tara. Hurry up, Tara. So Tara stupidly continues on. She rounds the corner and hears... And proclaims it to be a monster's heart. But the voice says it's only the waves crashing against the cave. It's not how waves sound. A light shows from the ceiling. And it leads to the to the most beautiful sight. The world's biggest seashell. It surely is. Giant as fuck. There's a giant hermit crab inside. And Tara rushes to it and hugs it. But the voice has a confession to make. That yes, this is the biggest shell in the world. And it belongs to the biggest hermit crab <laughs> in the world, Sam. <laughs> you got it right. Tara tries to run, but it's too late. The crab grabs a hold of her, and she screams, Help me! Help me! But the voice in the shell only mocks her and says this, Look, Mommy, look! I caught another one! The story ends with the crab squeezing the life out of Tara, and presumably eating her. Hmm. So, what'd you think of that one, Sam? I'm kind of surprised. (laughs) That you got the ending? (laughs) Yeah. Did you think of that? Because we watched that Simpsons episode today. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Yeah, honestly, yeah, because of that. We, we watched the summer of four feet two inches, and that's the one where Lisa goes to the beach with the family, and there's hermit crab, and I told Sam about hermit crabs. And I was, so. So. Otherwise, but, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, pretty pretty cool one. You would yep. read it? Yep. Yeah, I was about to say, I actually really enjoyed this one, you know. Like, at, at first I didn't think I was going to like this one, but damn, that ending hits hard. It, it hits harder than George fucking Foreman, I'll say that. Like, I kind of expected it, but it, at the same time, I thought it was going to be, like, a ghost or something. You know, not a crab. Crab people. Crab people. Like, this one overall has it. It, it even has a good moral, you know? Don't trust crabs. That's the moral of the story. And don't wander off from your family. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta give this one four help me's out of five. Like, I really like that one. It's so fucking creepy. Plus, it has a really good monster. Yeah. A hermit crab. A tiny hermit crab. Yeah. Look, mommy. All right, Poison Ivy, Sam. What is, what, I, I, I just said the title is Poison Ivy. What do you think this one's about? I think it's going to be about plants and crazy shit happening with plants. That, that's a very fair assumption with Poison Ivy. Either uh, that or a girl named Ivy poisoning people. <laughs> so my, <laughs> see, that'd be too clever, Sam. So my first impressions is I'm thinking someone's going to either, is, is, is going to touch poison ivy and become a plant monster or it's going to grow like crazy or it's going to be about some plant chick in a love triangle that's going to end abruptly and leave us with a with a mess season finale. No, that'd be if it was named Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, it's, 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 it's as much her show as it is poisons. Harley. Yeah, true. So the story. Our hero Matt hates that his parents sent him away from his big city life to a sleepaway camp called Camp Wilbur. Wilbur. That is a pretty lame name for a yeah. camp. This was, all I ever think of was Wilbur as a pig. Yeah. The Charlotte's Web. But it's not too bad. You know, two of the three three of his bunkmates are cool guys. The third one, though, Brad, is a total rich preppy snob who has 
aftershave that stinks like sour milk. Also, he doesn't shave. He's just a 12-year-old kid who just wears aftershave because he thinks it's cool. D-d-douche. Yep. So Matt decides to leave the smelly cabin and play some softball with some of the other campers. But be careful, Matt. There's poison ivy in the outfield. And the story kind of abruptly ends after, like, him finding poison ivy in the outfield. And it goes, and it doesn't end, but it has, like, a ch- like a page break. Uh. So that night, Matt is awakened by a scratching noise. His bunkmates don't seem to notice, so he peers outside and sees nothing. So he decides to have a little adventure and leaves the cabin to find what's making the noise. He travels down to the baseball diamond. It's the two camp counselors fucking! Close. And soon, a figure arises from the ground. A figure made of poison ivy! This freaks Matt out and he rushes back to the cabin and awakens his bunkmates with his ruckus. They just tell him he was just dreaming and to go back to bed. So he does and he dreams about long green snakes. Like, I wish it was kidding. That's actually in there for some reason. And that's not, like, foreshadowing. I'm just going to say that up front. Just long green snakes. Long green snakes. So the next morning, the camp awakens to find the poison ivy patch has grown and is covering the whole baseball field and the main path leading to the main cabins. Kids are like, it can't be poison ivy. It grew too fast and decide to fuck around in it and push, and push, and push each other into it and throw clumps of it at each other. <laughs> they regret it that afternoon. When they're in the nurse's office, with severe rashes all over. Honestly, that's pretty believable, though. It is very believable. Like, as someone who just... I didn't even go to a sleepaway camp, but who has been to a camp with, like, 12-year-olds? Mm-hmm. That, that Kids is definitely... do stupid stuff. 12-year-olds do stupid shit. So by dinner time, uh, the nurse is out of calamine motion. <laughs> that's, like, one of my favorite little details they put in there. So before nighttime, Matt sees two camp counselors with weed killer and whackers. They plan on killing the weeds, even if it takes them all night. They were never seen again. They're busy whacking each other, if you know what I mean. No, the fucking plants killed them, Sam. They're fucking dead. <laughs> like, legit, the poison ivy killed them and ate the poor fucks. Jesus. So that night, the whole cabin is awakened by the scratching noise again. Matt's not sure if any of them got a good night's rest. What? Why did I put that in there? <laughs> but that morning, Matt tries to leave the cabin... But something seems to be blocking the door. Vinny tells him to try the window, but when he gets there, he realizes why the cabin is so dark. There's a curtain of poison ivy covering the outside of the window. They decide to try the door again, and if they all push it, it might open. They push as hard as they can and notice that the tendrils that are poking in are retreating when they come close to Brad. It must be his aftershave! So they grab a can to experiment, but find out it's empty, and they think they're doomed. But Brad says he has 12 more cans. And Good thing the douche came prepared. Yep. And that's just a weird thing to do. Yep, whoop, wrong wrong page. Uh, but he doesn't want to waste all 12 cans. But they tell him tough titties and grab the cans. Yep. They start spraying the plants and it retreats away from the stench. They chase it out of the camp and force it into the lake to drown. The day is saved. The whole camp is celebrating their victory. And, and, and I'm just going to read the last part again. Because it, it really is a good one that needs to be read. Yay! A cheer rang out through the camp as everyone shouted out thanks and congratulations. The counselors carried my, th- my three friends and me around on their shoulders. And we danced and laughed and celebrated, but not for long. I was the first to spot the black funnel cloud in the sky. A, a tornado! I stammered. A black cloud whirled and spun around us. But it can't be a tornado, I realized. The black cloud was making a buzzing sound. A droning sound. Closer. Closer. The buzz grew louder as the cloud lowered over the camp. Uh-oh! I heard Brad exclaim over the droning noise. Uh-oh, I demanded. What do you mean, uh-oh? I forgot one bad thing about my aftershave, Brad replied. One bad thing? What is it, I asked. It attracts mosquitoes, he said. Da, 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 da. 
And that's how the whole camp got West Nile. <laughs> so what do you think about that one? Do you have any questions on that one? No, it's it's straightforward, but weak. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really like this one. Like, it's, it's probably just my description of it, because it's a very... This one's fast-paced, and just, like, it goes and goes and goes and goes, and just is really fast about it. Like, it keeps the action going, so that's why it's kind of a short description of it, you know? Yeah. Like, this one is a good scary camp concept, if you ask me, and it doesn't pussyfoot around. And that's why I gotta give it five kids playing in Poison Ivy out of five. Like, this one is a really good one, because it's nice and short and really to the point, and just... It's good. I like it, personally. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think it would be bad. It's just, it's one of those, like, killer plant. Killer poison ivy. That's what I thought. So, the spirit of the harvest moon is the last one to wrap us up. What's this one about, do you think, Sam? I want to say either werewolves or witchcraft. Okay. All right. That's a, that's an interesting guess. Because moon. Yeah. For me, I think it's a ghost story because it's the spirit of the, of the ghost moon, of the harvest moon. That's my, that was my guess when I first, that was my yeah, first impression. So, Janai, another girl. This the, the last time I had a lot of girls. Yeah. I was about to say. Uh, Janai and her parents are heading to Pine Mountain Lodge, Woodlake's 100-year-old best-kept secret, for vacation during the Labor Day weekend. They arrive and are the only ones there besides the owners. Mr. Bass, who looks like Frankenstein's monster except not green. Tyler, the son who reminds Janai of a goldfish because of his light orange hair, bulging blue-gray eyes, and skin so pulled tight you could see his veins through it. He also dies after two days for no reason. Yes. And finally, Mrs. Bass, who Jenny only gets a brief view of from behind and says she sat like a bag of laundry in front of the TV. <laughs> Did you like that description? Such a weird but accurate description. Would you describe your parents sitting in front of the TV like a sack of laundry? No. They lean back too much. I always think sack of laundry leans forward. <laughs> oh, and let's not forget about Bravo, their golden retriever. So they get to their rooms and they look tacky with decorative blankets on the wall and worn braided rugs on the floor. And it stinks like they're old gym socks. Jenny checks out the green door leading outside and there's nothing out there but trees as far as the eye could see. Fucking trees. But Mr. Bass comes in and says it's, it's lockup time and he locks up the door and shuts the window, like, bars the windows. That's a shitty resort. Jenny complains that she likes to sleep with the windows open, but Mr. Bass tells her tough titties, and it's too cold now to do that. Jenny finds out that night that it's freezing cold and tosses and turns, trying to find a comfortable spot on the bed, but eventually she falls asleep. Then, from outside, she thinks she hears someone calling her name. Jenny. It's cold out here. She goes to investigate the door to see if anyone is there, and asks the prison, who is it? but gets no reply. She flies back into the bed and pulls the covers over her head and is awakened the next morning by her mother, who says, Get up, we're going to hike Devil's Peak. Sounds like fun. Jenny asks if it's okay if she can stay behind so she can hang out with Tyler and explore the woods. Mom says it's fine, but don't go too far, so Jenny and Tyler play horseshoes, and she gets the two-minute tour of the lodge, which is literally the lodge and the forest. Here's the lodge, here's the forest. She then asks if Tyler has any other friends, and he says no... I'd like to play by myself anyways. She asks if anyone lives close by and he says nope, the closest house is a mile away. Then she tells him about the voices she heard that she, that, you know, she thinks it was all just a dream. But Tyler tells her they're real. Tyler tells Jenny of a misty spirit that haunts the lodge and surrounding area. And how during the harvest moon, it comes out to find a different body every year. And that's why they lock and seal everything up at night. That night, Jenny hears the voice again. 
calling to her and saying it's cold outside. And she leaps out of bed and into her parents' bed in the other room and tells them about the story Tyler told her. And they say he was just messing with her and that it's just her imagination. But Jenny doesn't believe them and weeps for them to believe her. The next morning at breakfast, she tries to ignore Tyler and sits there eating her food while Bravo sits under her chair. She notices Tyler doesn't eat and when Tyler approaches them, Bravo whimpers and nudges at her knee in fear. This makes her realize Tyler has to be the spirit of the harvest moon and she avoids him for the whole day. She goes hiking with her parents and does other shit. That night her dad tells her to look up because it's the harvest moon and Jenny begs her parents to go home because of the spirit but they tell her to calm down and it's just a silly ghost story. Mom then sits by Jenny's bed until she goes to sleep. When Mr. Bass comes in she looks out the window one last time and tells her it'll be okay Bravo is out there and he'll protect you from any ghost. And this does make Jenny feel a little better. So she gets tucked in and her mom tells her that if she needs them, they're playing bridge with the basses in the lobby lodge. Jenny tries to go to sleep, but she just can't. And I have to read the last page. I have to read the last page because so much happens in the last page. I was all alone. I waited, waited for the spirit to call my name. No voice, nothing but the sound of the howling wind and the rattling shutters. Bang! Someone knocked hard on the door. Jenny! It's cold and windy out here. Let me in. It's me, Tyler. I clutched the blankets close to me. He was here, here to steal my body. Go away. I shouted. You're evil. Please, let me inside. I lost my key. Jenny, please. Don't leave me out here. It's so cold, please. No. I screamed. Never, never. The wind shook the shutters hard now. Tyler kept banging. Tears ran down my face. My whole body trembled. Go away. I yelled. Then I heard Bravo barking. Good boy, Bravo. He must have heard my cries. His paws clattered out the porch steps. He snarled angrily at Tyler. Stop it! Tyler, Tyler shouted at the dog. Leave me alone! I heard Tyler stumble down the stairs. And then silence. Bravo had chased Tyler away. The horror had passed. I was safe. I let out a long, relieved sigh. Soft whimpering cut through the quiet. Bravo! I rushed to the green door, opened it, and Bravo trudged in. Bravo gazed up at me gratefully. His sad brown eyes stared up to meet mine. Thanks, Jenny, he said. It's cold outside. Ding, Fucking ding, knew ding, it. Ding, ding, ding. Da, da, da. <laughs> if they're cold, you're... If you're cold, they're cold. Let them in. Yeah, let the mountain lion in. <laughs> So what'd you think of that one, Sam? That was, that was pretty good. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm kind of lukewarm on this one. Like, it's an interesting ghost story. I like the idea. But, like, it gets stale after a while of her being like, I'm scared and being freaked out and shit and not knowing what to do. And But that, that ending is just so bonkers and crazy. Like, it just slams you, bam, like that. I'm a huge fan of that one, of that ending. And that's why I gotta say, I give it three talking bravos out of five. Because I, I love the talking dog ending. It's just so silly and so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam, what are your final thoughts? What what, what what did you think of the of the last five stories of Mortels to give you goosebumps? I thought they're interesting. Yeah. Like some nice little, they're very goosebumpsy if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. I was about to say, they're very on brand. Twist endings. Mm, somewhat relatable kids. Scary, but not like so scary that I wouldn't give it to like a ten year old. All right, you've you've worked as a social worker before. You have a degree as a social worker, kind of thing. Uh, I have a degree in sociology, but I've worked as a social worker for about four years cumulatively now. So my big question is, when should they have called somebody in any of these stories? So for the first one, Doctor Horror. Yeah. They should have called the cops. Okay. Because they should have been like, "Where the fuck is our son?" Mm-hmm. 
And then at that point, that's when they'll send in like a specialized unit if they think like neglect or abuse. Okay. Dealing specifically with child death. So that's after horror. And then... A cat's tail. Cat's tail, maybe animal control? I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, it's not It's not like it's one of those... Like, the parents like, weren't doing anything bad on this one. Yeah, it's one of those, like, they didn't really fuck up. Yeah. Like, All right, Shell Shocker? Shell Shocker, the parents should have watched their fucking kid. Yep. Again, kind of a cops thing. But of, the kids should have should have not gone away at the same time. Yeah, or told them where they're going. Yeah. I'm gonna go in this creepy tunnel, Mom. Poison Ivy. Oh. Parents didn't really fuck Yeah, I was about to say, there's no parents in this one. This I was a camp story. I would possibly call, like, the camp's licensing board, because yeah. they should not be... Sounds like a fucked up place to be, but, like, that's not... Yeah. And then the spirit of harvest of the Harvest Moon. Um, maybe the cops? <laughs> it's not one of those, like, the parents didn't really fuck up, like... Yeah. There's, there's on, nothing really bad on this one. On one hand, they didn't listen to her, but on the other hand... Did you listen to the previous episode on the previous story, Sam? I have not. Okay, uh, I can give you a creep, like, a, a brief description of each one. Nah, okay. fuck it. You'll have to read it. You have to listen to that episode, and you'll have to tell me in your own personal time okay. what you think. Well, thanks for not listening, Sam. You only listen to episodes with you on them? No. I just haven't listened to the Drunken Book Club. Lies! <laughs> Shut up, phone. Who's that anyways? So, I think that's a, that was a pretty, pretty, pretty uh, interesting storyline there. Yeah. I think next time, I think Sam will join me again, but she'll read the book. Because I think we're going to read, we're going to, I'm going to start trying to get a, another person with me on Drunken Book Club, where it's more than one person reading a kid's book with me, and just telling the story and kind of giving our impressions and kind of making fun of it. Yeah. Because I think it'd be fun, you know? I would enjoy that. So thank you for joining us this week. Uh, if you like what you heard, uh, if you're listening to us on whatever platform, a heart, a like really helps people find us. Uh, five star review helps people find us on iTunes and stuff. A good review helps people find us on iTunes, even though you're not supposed to say that shit. But fuck off, iTunes. You can eat a cock. Um, Maybe you shouldn't make it based on ratings alone. Yeah, that's what I say. Helps help support other people. Help support little known podcasts. You know, that's what I say. We're not new and noteworthy, so we can't really say we're like number one. You gotta listen to us. So. And we're not sponsored by some like fancy ass like broadcasting company or some shit. Yeah, that's what I say. We're independent as fuck. But, uh, hey, if you enjoyed what you heard as well, you can follow us on the Facebook page at Speaking of Witch Podcast, where I, the only thing I really post there is the new episode each week. But you can also follow me on SOW underscore podcast on Twitter, where I will post things on there more often, and also the new episode every week, as of course. Uh, and you can also follow me at the underscore Rupal on Twitter and Instagram, but I recommend following at SOW underscore podcast, because I mostly tweet from there now. So... You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BerserkerRose. And make sure to follow our pals who we haven't seen in a while because COVID. And we'll probably, you'll probably be able to hear them in the next week or so for a special occasion that's coming up. Uh, but you can follow Weiss at Force Left Hander on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can follow Juan at Voice of J Rod on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And visit his website of jrovio.com Sam? Chris? No, scary. No, don't tickle me. Tickle time. Don't, don't tickle me. Tickle I don't time. want to be tickled. Tickle my pickle, you little nickel. Happy fuckballs day, everybody. Happy fourth day of the seventh month of the year. Woo-woo! Happy internet every uh, all all countries matter day. <laughs> Can't just celebrate one country. All countries are important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck Independence Day. Yeah. Except for the movie. I I you know I've grown over the time 
of being like, I'm not sure if I like this movie or not, but I've, I've kind of finally been like, fuck it, it's just a dumb fun movie. Uh, shout out to Trey. Hey, you're listening. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> if Ed or Tyler are listening, cool, because I know we've got like at least one listener. In Germany. In Deutschland. In Deutschland. Why? Because <laughs> Germany. Why you like this? Whoa, whoa. What song should we go off on? What song do you think could encapsulate any of these five tales? Are there any songs about this about seashells? See, I was thinking about like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> For Shell Shocker? Yeah. This isn't even work. Um. You can count us. God damn it, no. All uh, right, this uh, is You Can Count Us by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, no. Uh, isn't there like a Cat Scratch Fever? No. Because because I, I don't want to give Ted Nugent money. Okay, or, that's fair. Or time. That's fair. I was about to say like I, I like Ted that. Nugent as a musician, but he's a piece of shit as a person. Yep. He's dead. You're dead to me. <laughs> no. No. I mean, Cat Scratch Fever does make the most sense for Cat's Tale, though. I'll give you that one. That's the only reason I thought of it, because... It's a good song. But Ted Nugent sucks. Yeah, Ted Nugent sucks and doesn't need any more attention. Oh. As we say his name again. Yeah. <laughs> what about... Is there any, like, Poison Ivy songs? Maybe. Nah, that's... that's nah, if we can't name it immediately. Uh. What about A Spirit of the Harvest Moon? Here's Killer Moon! Or Killing Moon! By oh fuck it. Don't blame the moon. Hey yeah, there we go. No, it's not really a moon though. It's more of the spirit. But it, don't blame the moon. But no, I think killing moon makes more sense. Like legitimately. What about dog police? <laughs> dog police. Since there's a talking dog. <laughs> dog police. Okay, no, we're playing Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunny Man, and that's that. Okay. We're not playing Dog Police. We're not playing Cat Scratch Fever. We're not playing You Can Count us On Us by the Teenage Ninja Turtles. We're playing Killing Moon. Thank you and good night, everybody. Love you. Love you, too. I wasn't talking to you. No, I was saying to the audience, I love you. I love them as well. You don't lie to them. I love them. I love Lamp. Killing time. Unreal.